So Money, episode 24, Dan Chavel. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi, and I've got a very dynamic, very interesting guest today. His name is Dan Chabel. Dan is the founder and the managing partner of Millennial Branding, a Gen Y research and consulting firm. It helps companies better understand the millennial generation. He's also the founder of WorkplaceTrends.com. It's a research and advisory membership portal servicing HR professionals. It just opened its doors a short while ago. He consults major brands and frequently speaks at some of the world's most prestigious companies. You've heard of them, Google, IBM, Time Warner, to name a few. Dan is the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of Promote Yourself and Me 2.0, which combined have been translated into 15 languages. A lot of people want to know what Dan has to say. And the books have been used as textbooks at many notable schools, including Stanford and Boston University. He's also a columnist at both Time and Forbes and has been featured in over 1,000 media outlets. Dan was named to the Inc. Magazine 30 Under 30 list in 2010, the Forbes Magazine 30 Under 30 list in 2012, and Business Week cites him as someone entrepreneurs should follow. And I follow him, and I wanted to introduce him to all of you. Lots of valuable insights Dan has to share, not only about business and marketing and branding, particularly with Gen Y, but also how to be smart with your money. Dan has a very relatable story about how he got to be who he is and his money journey. Three takeaways from this interview. One, how Dan got his numerous internships in college. Seven, to be precise. And if you're a parent on the episode or a college student on the episode, you want to take some notes and, uh, and bring them home. What successful people do to make things work? Very simple. It's got simple advice. And finally, a mindset that helps Dan continue to innovate and launch new businesses and manage his money well. Here is Dan Chabel. Dan Chabel, thank you so much for joining me on So Money. A pleasure to have you. Hey, it's always good to speak with you. You're a friend and you have been for years now uh, building this amazing business, helping so many people, particularly millennials, a lot of listeners on this podcast, uh, build their brand, build their businesses, boost their careers. Um, what made you choose this as your area of expertise and focus? Well, I mean, it's obviously a very long story. I was, I've been working so, since I was 13. I had my first internship in high school. I started building websites as hobbies in middle school and high school. So I was getting that that online background and you know work experience earlier in my life, and then in college, uh, I had seven more internships. And how I got these internships was really the really what I've been talking about for a while is you know is basically creating a set of personal branding materials that would help sell me. So back then it was a CD portfolio of my work, a lot of the design work and websites that I had done for myself and other people. It was a business card, a website. It was 
you know, a references document, a cover letter, and a resume back then. And that was, you know, people, people who were, were interviewing me were really impressed. And like, wow, you know, we haven't seen this done before. You're obviously taking this seriously. And, and you know, especially the CD portfolio, they're like, wow, like, this is a keeper. And so that's how I started getting all those internships. Um, but to me, it was always a struggle. So to get into college, I didn't get an early decision like I applied. So I got straight A's my last semester. I did an interview on campus. I wrote them a letter. Um, it's it's that that was the first kind of mentality that I built was okay. Well, not not everything's going to come easy. I have to work really really hard for it and do whatever I can to stand out. And so that's the first example. The second example was Reebok. It took me a year and a half to get that internship. Uh, you know, I had to really really fight for it. I didn't get it the first time. And so I said, okay, well, I got to get all these other internships really to to make it so they can't say no. And that's kind of a, a thread through my whole career. So for my last book, as you know, three and a half years, fired two agents, hired four consultants, and three proposals, proposals later did the entire campaign and everything on, myself, on my own, and, you know, rejected so many times, of course. Uh, funding the study I did in September, 149 companies said no, one said yes. Um, that's all it takes. So it's, it's the idea of it's a numbers game uh, throughout my whole life. I mean, I mean, I've dated a ton of girls in New York, but one, this one I'm seeing right now seems to be working pretty well. So, you know, it's, it's kind of what I call in my book, the rule of one, right? All that matters is one person says yes, and then you can build so much from that. And so that, that above and beyond any mentor or anything is what has inspired me and pushed me to go from, you know, just a college student to, you know, owning my own business, writing two books before 30, and uh, now launching another business, joining two boards, doing a million different things because I started out early. I started saving money early, which gave me the flexibility. And I really never gave up and then and realized that not everyone is going to be accepting of me. And so I have to spend the entire, my entire life finding the right people, you being one of them, other, other people in our network being others. Um, and so it's just been the journey of finding the right people and the right people opening the right doors in order for me to pull off what I would, I, I'm looking to pull off in life. And you bring such amazing value and content to people. I mean, I write about a lot of what you, what you produce and survey and study. What's on tap for the new year for you? I can only imagine your to-do list is probably 18 pages long. Really exciting. I'm launching a, another company. It'll be my second company since 2010 when I started Millennial Branding focused on workplace trends, working with some you know, major brands and helping them understand what's going on in the workplace in terms of big trends and how they can kind of uh, create the right work environment to take advantage of those trends and to best support employees and their future growth. No doubt you're going to be really busy because I, I know one of the areas that you help uh, bridge the gap is you know college graduates and employers. And as we know, there is a an epidemic in this country of, of graduates leaving school without job prospects. And that has translated into a huge debate in this country about whether college is even worth it. And of course, we could probably talk about that for, for you know, endless, endless hours. But I want to turn now to talking about you and your financial philosophies, because I like to talk to people who are successful in their respective fields who are good at making money, who are good at talking about money. Share with us, Dan, a personal financial philosophy that has helped you and continues to help you 
make healthy decisions with your money? I think mine is spend money only on the things that are most valuable to you. So for me, uh, you know, I obviously spend a lot of money on rent in New York, but it's very the most valuable thing to me. So if I'm going to spend money on anything, it's going to be on something where you know, I work out of out of my apartment, so it's just something that it's just so significant to everything that I do. So it's worth the money, even though people from who who are not me or who are not you know doing what I do, they're like, oh, what are you crazy? It's because their their view and what they prioritize in their life when when they're looking to spend money is different. Um, that's something I've come to realize, especially living in New York, when the prices are so significant. Um, the other thing I you know I spend money on clothing, but I don't. I don't shop that often, but when I shop, I, I'd much rather get, you know, an $800 suit than a $300 suit because not only will it last longer, but, you know, when I'm in meetings, like, it's, it's just really important to kind of look the part. Uh, so I, I think of value. So I think of, you know, wasting money on clothes. That, that, that's not really an option. It's more about investing money in clothes because you're really investing in yourself. Um, so that's number two. And then the third thing is, you know, personal personal activities, mainly, you know, going to restaurants in the city. Uh, those are my three big ones. And then the fourth one that I'm, I'm starting to kind of invest more in um, is traveling. So I'm going to Hong Kong in a few weeks. You know, this year might be, uh, you know, Australia and Europe. Um, so I think I'm reaching a, a point in my life where that's becoming more important to me, not just traveling for business, but doing things where I get to kind of relax and, and put myself outside of this you know, per persona. Um, so that's that's important to me. So I think it's you know it meant de depends where you are in your life cycle uh, and what you prioritize at that point. And for me, uh, those have shifted. Some you know uh, uh, the apartment I live in definitely remains the same. It's been like that since I graduated uh, school. And then you know even if it costs you more, you just figure out ways to make it work by maybe working harder or changing your business model or whatnot. But, you know, if you want to make something work, you just have to, you have to put the time in. And that's easy for me because I come from a background where my dad is 72. He's still working. <laughs> He'll work forever. My grandfather worked forever. My uncle will work forever. He's like 76. He ran two marathons. Like for me, I'm going to work forever. Like I have this retirement. My definition of retirement is not you know, do nothing, that seems boring. I think a lot of people in my generation would say the same. Um, and so I just want to kind of maximize my value over the longest period of time possible. And then that will translate into more money to invest in things that are important at the, those time frames. Like you said, picking out what's valuable and important to you. That's the missing ingredient sometimes when we're trying to figure out how to budget and how to spend our money wisely and, and how to, you know, what kind of philosophy to follow. Uh, to follow is that, especially when you're young, you feel like you want it all, you need it all, you got to have it all. Take us down memory lane. Um, where you talked a little bit about how your your father and your uncle and you have all these sort of influential people in your life that you are modeling your career after in the sense that you don't ever plan to retire. Certainly, you had some some good financial memories growing up. Perhaps share one with us that helped shape your mindset today about money? Yeah, I think one of the, the things that most entrepreneurs, you know, make a mistake, uh, they make a mistake in this area of money because they'll just say, oh, you know, I'll just quit my job and start a business. Uh, what my dad said, I mean, every time I wanted to 
quit my job when I was working for a Fortune 200 company was, hey, you know, just stay put, you know, get everything set up, get the business plan put together, get enough clients, you know, set yourself up for success. So when you leave, you already have the income coming in. You don't have to be stressed out and you have a higher chance of success. And that is really carried on today as I, because, you know, I basically have three platforms now. There's the personal branding platform, which was kind of phase one in a sense. The next one was millennials in the workplace. That was phase two. And then workplace trends overall is phase three. And each one of them actually requires a transition to get into a different model in order to make it successful. And so for me, um, I have to make sure that the first one's able to support me being able to transition to the second one, and the second one's able uh, able to support me transitioning to the third one. Um, and so that, that just comes from my father, basically. Patience is important. Yeah, and getting your ducks in a row. Okay, all right, let's turn gears here to financial failure. Uh, sounds like you've had a pretty smooth ride. You've been very level-headed, but talk about a failure that you're willing to share. Um, we've all had them, big or small, and the lesson learned. Yeah, I think the biggest one for me that I can, I can, I can remember is when I sold LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is obviously doing significantly better than when I bought it at. Uh, what the situation was basically me. You know, getting really emotional about the stock and, and being like, oh, it's kind of going down. I don't want to really lose money or that much money. And I sold it. And, of course, now it's doing extremely well when I should have just relied on, on kind of my gut and intuition of knowing LinkedIn and the market and, you know, writing about them for so many years. Um, so emotional investing is kind of something that, that has hurt me in that in that one instance. Uh, so that's why typically I, I, I don't – you know, think about stocks and investing in those, and I just have a team that does it because because I get I can get very emotional about different uh, investments, and so I have to have kind of advisors sit down and look at them and ensure that they're the right investments and that I'm doing making the right moves because that's their real expertise, and it's not mine. My expertise is, you know, as you know, PR and marketing and branding, uh, and then doing that and and, and research and trends. And so I just stick to my guns. I double down. I become the best at what I do. And then I build the team around me um, that can support the other areas of my life that I'm not as good at. I, you know, I took maybe one finance class in, in school and it wasn't, it just didn't click for me. So I'd rather get the, the team in place that can support my weaknesses. That's true. Finding the right people to help you nurture that part of your, your life is, is critical. And not to uh, make make you uh, get too depressed here, but how much do you think you lost on that LinkedIn stock sale? Oh my God. I don't know. Or how much did you? <laughs> tens you, of thousands probably. Tens of thousands. This was before their IPO, I suspect. Exactly. Let's talk about so money moment in your life, a time where you really hit it big or you had a really proud financial moment. Uh, and, and what did you learn from it? Oh, so this is a really good story that I have. Um, and you know the speaking industry very well, of course. So I feel like I'm speaking to the choir because a lot of these things just come natural to you and you've experienced before. But I, you know, I was really trying to get signed to a speaking agency. This was years and years ago when I was first starting out because I thought that was the path to success. And I already have, I have a different one now. But, um, you know, I was really trying and like my speaking fees weren't high enough for them to care and, and, 
but you know, I had given a lot of free speeches at schools because I was living in Boston, and you know, there's 55 schools in Boston, so I was speaking at you know my school, Bentley, Boston University, MIT, Harvard, all these schools. And at one of these schools, uh, I was speaking to 50 students. I didn't get paid to speak at any of these schools. And one of the students, Amanda, which is now one of my really close friends, uh, and someone who now I got her speaking at the women's conference uh, that was uh, last year, and she saw it, and she got a, she eventually got a job at a company, a large company, and she hired me to be a speaker for a decent amount of money back then. And then I leveraged that to get that opportunity to work with that bureau. So that was my, a huge win because when that happened, then I was positioned more so as a speaker that was worth more. And then now I'm getting paid you know, a decent amount in order to you know, speak and keynote different conferences. So that was my, you could say, big break that I was able to leverage into something greater that positioned me for future monetary gains. That's so smart. And all the while, while you weren't getting paid, you were getting better at speaking. Exactly. And so when that opportunity presented itself, and let's be honest, you, you worked for that opportunity too, um, you were ready, right? You were, you were at the top of your, your game because you had all this experience. So it was investing in yourself. And that's really what it comes down to. And if the sooner you start doing that, the better off you'll be by far. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you, if you wait, the worst advice is... Career counselors at schools, they say, oh, wait till your junior year before you get an internship. That's right. crazy because if you try and get an internship when you don't have any internships, you can't get an internship. That's, <laughs> right, that's right. too. Yeah, I speak from personal experience. I got a first internship the summer after my freshman year. I did an internship that didn't pay because that's all I could get, uh, frankly, at that, at that stage. But it was experience that was critical to land me Another unpaid internship, but a much more high-profile one my sophomore year, and then finally a phenomenally paid internship my junior year. And then, you know, it, it just you have to build on some of these experiences that are completely penniless, um, but 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 will pay you with dividends uh, in the future if you're if you're smart about it. So let's talk rituals, Dan. I mean, I'm of the belief that your your financial life doesn't just happen. You know, you have to work at it, and sometimes ritualistically, you have to be habitual about some of the uh, choices that you make day in and day out. What is a financial habit that you practice that helps keep your money uh, where it needs to be? I think I'm just conservative. There's two things. One, I'm really conservative overall. And that just comes from my family values. You know, it's I don't just randomly spend money on things, but I'm also not cheap at the same time. So I, it's a, a very delicate balance of living, you know, a happy life, spending money, but not overdoing it in a way that makes no sense and, and does not connect to things that I prioritize in terms of what matters to me. And the other thing is, I mean, my main goal is, how, you know, first, I, I always believe brand first before money, meaning that. I put more value on building relationships, building value, accumulating you know, knowledge, and then the money follows. And it's something that I've always believed in. I've always kind of liked what I've done, especially after 2010 when I, when I went solo, and I've just been doing that ever since. Uh, so I just every day I wake up and I really do what I want. I want to interview a celebrity, or I want to put together an article for a media outlet, or I want to you know, do a research report, or I want to... you know be on a board of a company, whatever I want to do, like I feel like I can, I, I can definitely do it now. 
but that's because it was never those short term I needed another twenty dollars here from this person. It was more of you know let me contribute value, not make money, but allow that to form a network that enables me to be able to eventually make money doing what I love and so that that's been the mentality and my goal is I just need to make you know turn all these connections into kind of opportunities that create wealth and then you know, a percentage of what comes in goes to investing in, in different stocks and, and, and uh, opportunities. All right, Dan, last thing, uh, kind of a fun end to the interview. I always do this with guests is a so money fill in the blank. Okay, so I'm going to throw out an unfinished sentence and I would like for you to finish it uh, with whatever pops into your head in that moment. So are you ready? Yep. Okay, if I won the lottery tomorrow, 100 million bucks, I would... Uh, I would start a nonprofit that helps every unemployed millennial job seeker find work or be equipped with the resources in order to find work. Awesome. The one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? My apartment. <laughs> I have access to everything. They, you know, they do the dry cleaning. There's a gym. It just makes, makes things easier so I can focus more on, on things that create value and excitement in life. Right. You got access with the apartment. My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on is? I would say food at this point. <laughs> Spoken like a true New Yorker. <laughs> One thing I wish I had known about money growing up is? That money can be compounded and even a few dollars made when you're really young can turn into a lot of money later in life. Mm-hmm. If you buy and hold, exactly. And I'm so money. I'm Dan Chabelle, and I'm so money because? Because the value that I give to people creates wealth more valuable than the money itself. Awesome. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much, Dan. Tell us where we can learn more about you and follow your work. Uh, DanShawBell.com. That's connected to all the social networks, all the research, everything. It's basically an entrance to my world. Well, we will certainly be following you. Happy New Year, Dan, and best of luck and continued success with your new ventures. Thanks, you too. Thanks, Dan. I could listen to Dan forever and ever and ever. Dan, thank you so much. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you'd like to learn more about Dan, you can check out his website at danshabell.com. He's also on Twitter, at Dan Shabell. His books, once again, are called Promote Yourself and Me 2.0. And we have all the links for where to find Dan at somanypodcast.com, as well as the transcript and comments. And I want to hear from you. Please keep your questions coming. Don't be shy. Check out somanypodcast.com. Click on Ask Farnoosh. And there you can submit your question or your comments. Let me know what you're thinking. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Hope your day, everyone, is so money. <laughs> <laughs>